5 o'clock, Monday, March 27th, and time for This Week in Moab. It's Women's History Month, and so we join in commemorating and encouraging the study, observance, and celebration of the vital role of women in American and Moab history. Here in 2012 in Moab, the first ever Women's Congress for Future Generations convened hundreds of women from all over the world to write and ratify a proclamation of rights and responsibilities for present and future generations based on precautionary principles. The effort attracted prominent writers, scientists, activists, filmmakers, cultural mavens, poets, and pie-baking mothers of invention to Moab. What you are about to hear is an hour of audio magic caught live at Star Hall from that event with none other than public radio host from kpfa.org and wonderful author Wit Caroline Casey. It is the magic of dedicated collaborative creation tonight on This Week in Moab, and I'm your host, Christy Williams-Stunton. We gather this auspicious evening to raise mojo for the mama-papa energy that goes way back and all the way forward, and it is my profound pleasure to uh, just bear witness to the fact that uh, conjuring and honoring the spirit of place and person has a particular kind of magic. Uh, The first time I thought to myself, oh, I would love it if Caroline Casey would come here to Moab someday. It was a while before it came true, but it did. It did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think without further ado, I should uh, maybe just bring her out. But for those of you who may not know who it is that uh, is going to grace the stage here in a moment, Caroline Casey is a national radio host, a tremendous wit a wonderful woman who uh, waxes wise on Thursday afternoons at KPFA and through the Coyote Network News, a visionary activist of uh, great renown. Please give a warm, warm welcome to Caroline W. Casey. Wonderful voice of Earth Mama. Thank you, team. So as many of you know, or maybe don't know, who've been following or not following with me, Muti, Muti means power and medicine. It's from the Sangomas of South Africa. And it reminds us that true power is that which heals. And that we don't source power, uh, we invite it by good music, by gathering with intention. We invite power into the world. So here's a Muti. It is from tobacco from Syria, beloved, beautiful land underneath all the roiling chaos of now. And uh, coyote here, because I live with Stella Coyote. She sends her greetings. So we say, Muti, O spirit of the compassionate trickster, within each one of us, awaiting backstage for this moment of dire beauty, open the path before each one of us and grant us the opportunity to be of maximum good while having the most serious fun possible. So, so equinox, equinox, we are here. We know many people say, you know, deliberate celebration of the change of seasons stirs the mojo of our souls. And we go, ooh, we gather with intention. So equinox, equal night, equal day, coming into balance. Let us be agents of coming into balance. So I am completely dedicated to the trickster dynamic in nature and in all of us. It says, you know, in nature... Some seeds only sprout, you know, after cataclysm. 
after flood or fire. And by analogy, some parts of ourselves only come alive at a time of dire beauty. And it's the part of us that loves against all odds. We go, now is perfect, you know, in that regard. And so Uranus, in planetary language, you know, trickster is ingenuity, keeper of democracy, democracy found in nature. And it is that spirit of, you know, resilience. So coming into balance, we want to be agents of cool in an increasingly hot world. So I'm very dedicated as part of the trickster dynamic available to all of us in the magic backpacks we carry with us, even if we don't know that we do. The power of language, story, metaphor. You know, a, a wag on, on Facebook I have to attribute says, metaphors be with you. And so we go, yes, um, we will be animating that. So we want to step in, you know, we say to react to anything um, is not free. We, we love freedom. And it's hot. Reaction is hot. You know, so when we are reacting, you know, we carry a portable prison for ourselves and for others. But to cultivate an ever larger repertoire of responses is to ally ourselves with nature's evolutionary ingenuity. You know, again, to be agents of cool in an increasingly hot world. And that's where the trickster spiral comes in. Wherever there's polarity, you know, great ally, you know, druidic magician uh, John Michael Greer says, if you want people to get nothing done but conflict, convince them they're on one side of something. You will only get reactive, you know, hot conflict. What two needs is three. Here comes us, which is three is the spiraling unifying story. You know, and we just put on our work table, magic is simply a willingness to cooperate with everything. You know, and as we dive into the dynamic of now, you know, we'll, which I'll be kind of animating the sky story, the earth story, and how it's rooting for us, but, you know, there's a collapse going on, and then out of the collapse of structures going down, empire, colonialism, banking, you know, infrastructure, dental work, I mean, everything going down, and then jobs, you know, but from the energy that was invested in those structures is then liberated to be cooperated with. You know, so what's going down is culture of dominance, empire, colonialism with roots way, way back, you know, runs on oil, oh, then goes down. You know, um, what I use a, a lot, but it still kind of works, I, I noticed that um, most cable news shows to us are, are, are sponsored by Viagra. Uh, and I go, because empire just can't get it up anymore. There we go, okay, we're going down. Um, so we gather as people, we know people have done this for 35,000 years at the equinoxes at least, and it keeps getting pushed further and further back. So what is that? What is the purpose of art? What is the purpose of music? What is the, pur the originating impulse? You know, what is the purpose of gathering at a time like this? Well, when we see standing stones, you know, around the world, and also, you know, when the sun illumines the painting at the back of the cave, you know, what's going on there? We say all ritual <clears throat> is literalized metaphor. So the sun is illuminating that community's desirable animating story in which that community is saying, animate this, illuminate this. So we're doing that as well, you know, going, all right, we're, we're conjuring a guiding, unifying story, the earth story, and going, oh, spirit of the equinox, you know, illuminate this. So equinox, we step into the center of the wild story storm, going Oof, into the non-reactive zone, you know, place of great potency. Uh, Aikido, uh, the art of peace, says, do not stare at your enemy's weapon. He will terrify you. Do not gaze into his eyes. You know, he will paralyze you. Create your own magnetic field, and then you can sit anywhere you like. So here is a kind of, 
weaving of context and preamble to the upcoming Women's Congress, you know, weaving a magnetic field that each one of us can be agents for of non-reactive but magnetizing invitation. So I like to bring in you know, one of my favorite historic characters uh, told to me by uh, great ally David Grimes, who says when, when Wilhelm Reich was in China, there was a terrible drought. He was translating the I Ching, and there was a terrible drought where he was staying. So the villagers summoned the Taoist rainbringer. And the Taoist rainbringer came and sat for maybe three days, and then it just poured and poured and snowed and poured. So uh, Wilhelm went to him and said, how did you make the rain come? And the Taoist rainbringer said, oh, I didn't make the rain come. You know, where I live, my community is pretty cool, you know. But when I came to your community, it was so whacked out, so out of balance, it took me three days to come into balance. And when I came into balance, the rains came. So let's keep with us. We, we want to add to our magic backpack and the companions mythological with whom we travel, the spirits, the ancestors, the part of the land. You know, so the Taoist Rainbringer is a good traveling companion to remind us to be, to, that we want to be agents of dynamic peace, and then how do we do that in a, a responding way? And part of the power of this time, this equinox, is that we can't even be who we want to be you know, by ourselves. You know, um, that's why we make vows going, oh, spirit of however you address mystery, woof, that animates the universe, you know, hold me to this. This is how, this is the art form of who I want to be, who I aspire to be, hold me to this. And we know it's more than perfect that we as humans cannot resolve the innumerable, you know, sociopathic, rude violence we have imposed on our kin, on the home planet. We can't resolve it by ourselves. It's by ourselves that got us into this pickle. So only by, again, reaching into indigenuity, again, the kind of animistic willingness to cooperate with everything. There, there's a great story, again, I gathered these from all over, but late breaking news. You know, Shell Oil was all set to drill in the Arctic. Uh, they had permission to drill, and they had their platform all up. This is news just come in today. Um, and um, friend David Grimes, who was up there, or close in Alaska, hearing first reports, so it, there's nothing but water all over, and, and Shell's getting ready to drill. And apparently, out of nowhere, he said, came this giant block of ice. No, there's nothing around, only open water. This giant block of ice that heads right for the oil, dri oil rill, drig, and Shell Oil packs up and says, I guess not this year. Yes, and we go. So, you know, we, we're willing to cahoot. We, we know, again, the Uwa people of Colombia, when Standard Oil was going to you know, destroy their homelands, and they thought they would kill themselves, but they said, no, wait, let's do ceremony. And they did six months of ceremony, I mean, dedicated, and they asked the oil to hide. Standard Oil did three drillings, came up dry, packed up and left. We go, oh, many things, many ways in which to cooperate. This is what makes it a sporting possibility if we're willing to cooperate with nature herself. You know, allies of mine in Hawaii you know, um, indigenous people there, whenever anything up to no good is about to happen, and also good times too, but they invite, they invite Pele, you know, the volcano goddess, and she erupts underneath the drilling rigs, and they go, oh, it shouldn't happen, but we'll just tiptoe away. So we want to, again, invitation. Art is inviting power into the world. Language, the art of language, invites power into the world. Metaphors are the incarnational garb whereby power enters the world. So we want to be, cultivate metaphoric agility. So uh, a little weaving of you know, the meta story of now, here we are, equinox. Now, because of the dynamic sky pattern, and this isn't about believing in astrology, this is, again, indigenous, it's in our 
blood, to, to note patterns, patterns everywhere. Our word disaster means against the stars, disaster. Our word consider, con, sitter, con is with, sitters the stars. If we pause to consider, we line up with the choreography of creation to avert disaster. So all cultures have derived their guiding story, their calendar, you know, from the sky story. It's only, you know, as, as we get colonialism and the colonized mind that people have dissed what is of most value, myths, fairy tales, guiding languages, like fuh, 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 and shamed people and shamed many of our good-hearted activists into what they should be most proud of. Again, so we're here to remedy that, that spell. So, so part of, you know, some people know, some people don't know, that we, we go the outer planets, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, large by energetic symbolism, in Pluto's case, even if not by mass, but they represent in this language of creation, you know, huge forces of nature's evolutionary ingenuity. You know, um, so when they dance together, it is about evolution culturally, but even biologically. We know that we as humans have, you know, again, set in motion such horrific cycles that everything's got to collaborate and come together. You know, the trees, the everything, everybody's evolutionary ingenuity and collaboration, you know, is, is, um, is, is called into play. So Pluto is straight up overhead right now. Uh, if, we, if you could see very far past the moon, the moon and Pluto are pretty much straight up. Um, Pluto is squared, 90-degree angle to Uranus. Pluto is death, rebirth, intensity, the cauldron, the composting. Uranus is the trickster ingenuity. So they are, and Uranus is rising right now in the east. Pluto is straight up overhead with the moon, just for bonus points. Um, so this, this square, this tension between Pluto, death, rebirth, and Uranus, you know, awakening and change, um, there's five of these squares. We just had the second one just middle of last week, as Pluto was stationing, appeared to be standing still, so it's like very strong. And we know that uh, there are five of them that takes us through 2015. But what it means is anytime we change season, you know, the sun enters right into this hot, you know, wild, roiling field. So that's why we want to gather our wits to be able to have a jaunty, a, well, an expanded repertoire of ways of being as we tour the underworld. We like, you know, we like the jaunty tour of the underworld. It's the the genius of reggae music, you know, the darker the lyrics, the jauntier the tune, you know. We want to vary things. We want to be unexpected, you know. Um, we want to play. Um, I've been crossing borders lately and increasingly. I am your agent in Washington, D.C., and every now and then I go, why? Thank you, that's right, thank you. And I will, I will take, I will weave Moab to D.C., Moab to D.C., um, because we, we want to do that. Um, so I've been going to go hang out with conservatives and Tea Party people and went to the Conservative Political Action Committee, and I'm going to go again um, next winter dressed as Abigail Adams. That's my, that's, my, that's my way into conservo world, going a costume. You can come in. Um, so, so there's ways of building bridges. But, um, but just as a, you know, we also we want to literalize metaphors, what I do, you know, ongoing in every kind of venue. But, you know, it is very useful for all of us to carry with us our harumphitude composter, you know, going, oh, harumphitude, no, 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 no. Um, and also our preemptive harumphitude composter, going, if that person does that, I, no, no, harumphitude composter. Because, because only after that is playful, liberating conversation possible. 
So there was much harumphitude generating at CPAC on, you know, going, oh my God. I mean, because, because what people want to know is, I mean, there is, you have an inkling, but roiling poison, I mean, and violence, I mean, crosshairs on Obama, I mean, just, just huge, like, and there were, it was full of, um, you know, Austrian, Ayn Rand uh, economists who'd flown in, you know, trout, you know, walking around with ancient, you know, one-eyed. It's it's all kind of mythic now. And I was like, oh, and I was like, no compost for food, you know. So apparently they were all named Wolfgang. Um, and one of them came up to me and said, "You? And what are you doing here? Who are you?" And I said, uh, "I am Coyote Network News. Uh, it is a mythological news server news service for the trickster redeemer within us all." He said, "Oh, that is so cool." Okay, see, if, if we have an unexpected, you know, we open the thing up to play. If I go, I am a humorless environmentalist who's really pissed. No, no conversation. No conversation. You know, um, we want to kind of play with this, going unexpected, unexpected. Again, as we want to assume cultural storytelling narrative, not just reacting, like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Oh, my God, that's horrible. But we go, oh, my God, that's horrible. And here's the guiding story. Here's the response. So, the, you know, everything's rooting for us to assume cultural narrative lead, the all-inclusive. Here's how we could do it. You know, it's why I like to say in our magic backpacks, we also have a magic mirror, which is, you know, the secular critic holds up the mirror and goes, <laughs> it sucks in detail. Very important, first step. But that's only a first step. You know, the trickster then with a wave of the hand turns the mirror into a window. But look, look how beautiful it could be. Doesn't that make your heart sing? Don't you really want this part of you invited into play? You know, and then with another wave of the hand, turns it into a door, let's go. So we each have that. Criticism, vision, dynamism, critique, and blessing. So I do work with, um, you know, left-wing, <clears throat> or whatever it is, uh, radio, you know, and people call up going, and I go, yeah, okay, and your blessing would be, and they're like, blessing, what's that? Um, well, we, we have become a culture of, you know, blessing illiterates, but that's why so many places in the world have the power of blessing, and it doesn't have to be realistic. You know, again, just again drawing medicine from all over just to bring it alive at this powerful moment. You know, there was, uh, was working with Neil Douglas Klotz, Aramaic scholar who works a lot, you know, peace dynamic in the Middle East at a conference, and there were people who wanted to have, you know, talk about the troubles in the Middle East. And there were, you know, Israeli people from the army and uh, Palestinian poets. And I mean, it was a complex group. And Neil said, this, these people are not ready for this conversation. It's just going to be a nightmare. Um, I do this a lot. And I go, but here's the parameters. People can say whatever they want, bar, bar, bar. But then they are invited and even requested the frame to, to come up with a blessing that would address their error. Um, and what happened was people would say, the American public are so stupid. And, and I'd just go, and your blessing would be? And they go, and I go, it doesn't have to be realistic. You know, may a council of wolves surround them, barking uproariously whenever they hear a lie. You know, that'll do. You know, so what happened was people, it took people a while, but then they got into it. And Neil said afterwards, he said, that was amazing because there was no poison in the room. It was all handled. Each person w assumed responsibility for conjuring the antidote to the poison about which they were appropriately outraged, you know. So, <clears throat> so again, it's like take this forth. You know, we want to practice this, and but it's like everything's rooting for us. You know, the animals are rooting for us to do this. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, spirit guides. The wolves are coming in. Oh, perfect. That's really great. So, there was a Tea Party there guy there who was like, no EPA, no protection. 
no regulations, no whatever, because I want to play the games that I want to play. So I quickly pulled out my Harumphitude composter and then said, well, that's really interesting because the essence of games is rules. You know, that's kind of what makes a game. And he's like, oh. And I said, in fact, we're kind of on this planet which you could think of as a, you know, a kind of finite, infinite game, but there are rules. There are also known as limits, also known as manners. There's only so much water, you know, and he's like, <clears throat> you know, there's only a narrow range of temperature. These you might call rules in this game in which we're invited to play. You know, and he goes, oh, I... Now, Moab, I want, I, I, I've just got here, but I do, I, it's very, very wonderful. And uh, again, a friend I was talking to, Brayer Grimes today, and he goes like, what does Moab mean? And I go, ooh, that's good. What does that mean? So, you know, Google. Well, you know, you all probably know it, but, but it's, you know, it's Hebrew and Assyrian and Egyptian, Moab, and it means seed of the father. And I go, we're in sperm, Utah. You know, how adorable. Right in this kind of large red womb, we go, well, may, may it be that this is, you know, this is, we got, that's great, Moab, may it be that Moab be a place where ancient, wise stories are given new, fabulous, originating, unique expression to spiral out into the world. We go, well, that's fabulous. Yes, so, yes, thank you, Moab. Yeah, it was the kingdom of Moab, and, and it's, it's Old Testament. Now, this is kind of pertinent. You know, there's references in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and it's Moses died in Moab. You know, but underneath all that, before the Old Testament, Moab, you know, which is right on the eastern shore of the Dead Sea, you know, was um, uh, full of dolmens and menhirs and stone circles. So now we're back at original, you know, immediate cahooting with the larger cycles, you know, even under the ancient Moab. And then... Um, uh, Abraham and Moab were, were um, Abraham and Lot were traveling around, and then there's a, a saying, a, a thought, a piece of uh, Old Testament gossip that Moab is Lot's son, born of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his eldest daughter. That's in Genesis, the, the Old Testament, full of so many pretty stories, really. Um, you know, and it's after the destruction of Sodom. But then people add later, going, that could just be gossip. You know. Um, but that brings us to the power of stories. And again, what are we, you know, composting and what are we liberating? You know, so, you know, talking to with many people, I mean, I've tried. I have, you know, scholars, Islamic and, you know, and Judaic and Christian scholars, you know, to come on to kind of, you know, pitch the Abraham story. And, and I go, it's just, what a weird story. I just can't go for it. Um, and, um, you know, I often, you know, religious councils, I, I, have, I have offended some people. Um, uh, rabbi comes up to me and says, I've never been so offended in all my life. And I go, but the evening's still young. You know, there could be, there, there could be more. Um, but, but I was in a conversation, I was in a conversation with another rabbi and I said, well, here's, here's the metaphor that I can do. That the Abrahamic story is like a shipwreck on which kind of weird barnacles and beautiful corals have grown. And he said, I'm completely cool with that. That's a great metaphor. You know, because it is a weird story. Um, but we want to go maybe back to Raven creating the world. Or, again, one of the predominant deities throughout the Middle East, not, you know, only a dim memory, but living on somewhere. Again, wonderful Turkish novelist told me, she said, you know, the presiding deity before, you know, uh, the Abrahamic religions in the Middle East was She-Wolf. And throughout the Middle East was an azure blue flag emblazoned with an alpha wolf's female head on it, you know, going, whoa, and I go, well, let's bring that back, you know, that wants to come back. And wolf is such a good model for us of leadership. You know, and, and when we wonder, like, well, what is it that makes humans special? I mean, I live with so many ingenious animals. I know they have art. I know they make art. Um, 
I, I mean, I know this. I know they have theater. Um, what is it about us? You know, and it's also from, you know, um, Neil Douglas Klatt says the, the, the most criminal mistranslation in the Old Testament is when it says, and God gave humans dominion over nature. He says that's a mistranslation. That's not the word that was used. You know, God gave humans the task of guiding and protecting all creatures to their essential nature. That was the word that was used. What? Home. Home. Girth is home. That's also good. Yes, exactly. Um, and the Sufis say, you know, God was handing out assignments, you know, who wants to guide all and protect all creatures in the home. Um, and the wolves said they were busy, and the humans were like, we'll take it. What could go wrong? Um, so... But, but I do think that, that the one thing that we have as humans is our capacity to borrow qualities of medicine from animals you know, and plants you know, to, to, to brew in ourselves individually and as a community. So the wolf model of leadership is so great. Again, I say it all the time, but here it is again because it's a powerful time to say it. You know, wolves don't operate on dominance. They operate on charisma, said wolf expert. And I live with this very charismatic wolf. Thank you. And... Um, and it said that the wolves, um, uh, charisma in wolf culture means who initiates play best. You know, um, not just play, let's go hunting and everything, but play is very top criterion. And you can tell the alpha wolf within 10 days of birth because it's the wolf pup with the lowest resting heartbeat. So it's the coolest and the most dynamically playful. And it's like, let's elect that in as leadership in ourselves and in our communities. I mean, isn't that, it's just a, a quality of leadership. I can, well, I, could, I can live with that thing. Now, um, I want to also bring up the astrological chart of um, the Mormon massacre of September 11th, 1857. Um, because when 9-11 in happened, I go, you know, there's a lot of 9-11s in this country. The first one is Friday, September 11th, 1857, which is the Mormon massacre. When... Mormons dressed as Indians attacked a group of settlers coming from Arkansas, uh, and it's, it's a terrible story. Um, but we also want to summon all ancestors, all ancestors, the murderers and the victims, I mean, everyone. But it was, um, the chart was powerfully resonant because I want to go into the mythic news about how do we read the news? We need many kinds of newses, you know, and how do we not be reactive, but what wants to happen here even through terrible tragedy? So when I look at the chart of the Mormon massacre, it, it is planetarily significant. It, it had a resonance with another chart I've been really working with, which is the, the murder of, of young black teenager Trayvon Martin in Florida. And here's how that goes, and here's how they resonate. So um, <clears throat> on September 11th, uh, 1857, and just to tie in the other September 11th, so it was the Mormon massacre, uh, dressed as Indians, a false flag, um, the Pentagon, the, the building of the Pentagon begins September 11, 1941. Uh, the U.S.-backed coup overthrowing over democracy in Chile was September 11th. I think it's 1968, but, but September 11th. Um, so in, in September 11th, 1857, Pluto, not discovered but still resonant, was at six degrees of Taurus. Now, the image for that is the woman of Samaria at the ancestral well, you know, um, the, the, the beauty and value of cross-cultural ex exchanges over the sharing of water. You go, that's what it was meant to be. Ancestral well. Um, now, when Trayvon Martin was murdered, it was a beautiful night. It was a beautiful night. We go, if only he and his killer had looked up. Because right above them was the moon and Jupiter. And the moon that night was at six degrees Taurus. 
the woman of Samaria at the ancestral well, healing cross-cultural encounters. And it was right next to, um, uh, it was right next to Venus, and Venus's image was um, a woman weeping at an open, uh, at an open grave. And we go, whoo, whoo. Now, also, um, Mars was stationing that night, Trayvon, Merton, uh, Trayvon Martin's death, um, and it was stationing uh, at a degree, three degrees of Virgo, which is, it was returning to its station point. And the image for three degrees Virgo was black and white children playing happily together. It's like, that was what was meant to happen in this horrific opposite. Now, and then also I saw the Mormon massacre, Vesta, asteroid Vesta, about the sacred fire was at three degrees Virgo. Again, healing cross-cultural encounters. So, when, so that's part of how we read the kind of mythic news going, oh, terribly gone awry, but we don't want to get hot and reactive about it. We say, create theater or live melodrama. We want to create and animate these stories. And one of my favorite clients in the world that I speak to on the phone is a forensic psychiatrist. Her job is to maintain kinship even with the guiltiest among us. We go, Ooh, you know, women who've murdered their children. Uh, she comes in to Virginia Tech after the mass shootings there going, we want to understand that there is no private crime. It's all part of a collective expression. We don't want to go, ooh, funda. We go, what does this mean in our large pulsing dream? We want to, you know, wonder about that. So um, I, I love... Um, I love, I love uh, Buddhist noir and esoteric thrillers and detective novels because it's a journey to the underworld and then a kind of restoration. So I'm very fond of this writer right now, Michael Gruber, who's kind of grown his own esoteric thriller realm. Dark, dark, but then redemptive. But there's a really great point. He's got an indigenous medicine man, Moye, um, who hears about the plan to destroy his lands and realizes he must go use all indigenous magic to prevent this. Um, and he has a renegade priest friend who has informed him of this. Um, and it says, Moye knew that the world was ruled by Ryuxit, the harmony of the different children of Jaguar, tree, rock, snake, fish, bird, all together with humans. And what was not Ryuxit, harmony, was Siwix, those things that were disharmonious. And one did not love the disharmonious. But according to his renegade priest friend, one could love Siwix, one could love the disharmonious, and by loving it, change it into Ryuxit, into harmony. And not only that, but a better Ryuxit, a better harmony than had existed before. Moye would have certainly have dismissed this as just dead white people's nonsense if he'd not visited his friend's spirit in a dream. And there he found not the shriveled, sad soul characteristic of the Waichiran white oppressing people, but something immense and powerful, Ryuxit beyond Ryuxit. Anyway, I just... Love for us to put that in our magic backpacks. To love disharmony back into harmony creates a greater harmony than existed before. And it's like, this is the Venusian realm. This is KZMU, Moab Public Radio. And you've been listening to Caroline Casey, Pacifica Radio Network, host of Visionary Activism, author with Coyote Network News. Her live Star Hall performance in Moab for the first Women's Congress for Future Generations in 2012 is aired for you today on This Week in Moab in honor of Women's History Month. It's 5.30 p.m. I'm Christy Williams-Stunton, and I'm thanking you for listening. And to all those who support KZMU financially and otherwise, there is a great chance to be able to double your impact. This is not a pledge drive just yet. That's happening uh, April 7th. 
if you happen to make a quick pledge beforehand, it's going to double the impact. Find out more at kzmu.org. All right, back to Caroline here at KZMU. So cooperators are standing by. Um, I love uh, not only the ice pack coming out of the blue, going, the ice pack must go find shell drilling thing. <laughs> um, but I also love the jellyfish shutting down the nuclear power plants in England and also Diablo Canyon, California. Um, they, were, they, they were clogged with jellyfish. And we go, there's a perfect justice and symmetry to this. You know, jellyfish doing extremely well with catastrophic climate heating. Um, so is poison ivy. But jellyfish doing really well, but journeying back to the source of the problem, going, we're doing so well, we're going to go shut down the nuclear power plants that are contributing to us doing so well. And I go, all right, poison ivy, now you surround them too. There we go. You know, we're all in cahoots inviting. You know, and there's so many, there's so many animal emissaries now, you know, making their way to us, you know, whenever I walk in the woods with Stella Coyote, we always go, hello, hello, we're trying to be less rude. And they're like, speed it up, will you? You know, um, and, um, and I do have to bring in, you know, my friend Hal Barr's remarkable story. Again, I, I, I tell these stories a lot, but I love them. Um, and Hal Barr was in Ecuador uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a trip, you know, with guides and all. And they were on a path in the rainforest, and this sapphire quail dove, he learned later, came out of the bush, this beautiful shimmering sapphire quail dove and it kind of shimmered in front of him kind of flirted you know even though he's a gay guy and um and and came right up and he has he has the pictures and everything and and he was like and they were doing this kind of mating shimmering thing with each other and hal asked the guides like is this usual and the guide said no we've never seen one and i and i ran into ecuadorian birders and they said oh the sapphire quail dove that is the holy grail of birds we've never we hardly ever see them on that day, a huge oil reserves were found in that rainforest. So it's as though the sapphire quail dove was coming out going, you know, and Ecuador is one of those countries that would love to not drill if the global community could pay it to not drill, you know. And the sapphire quail dove was really, you know, the ambassador. That, that's in all the myths, you know, it's when the white dag sh stag shows up at Arthur's court that begins the grail legend. Nature sends an emissary and says, hey, cooperate, find your souls. You know, um, redeem the wasteland. Now, it comes to us even in the corporate realm. You know, I, I was listening to, you know, kind of grown-up sort of dementor economists talking about the stock market. And they said, a Great Depression is deepened by, um, by the loss of animal spirits. It's a technical financial term. It means a loss of confidence. We go, ah, but, but truer, truer than we know, um, you know, it is a loss of animal spirits. You know, we know that 99% of the vultures in India, great Pluto death rebirth allies, sacred to Venus in many, many cultures, 99% of them are dead um, because of poison that was fed to the cattle and they ate the cattle. So huge repercussions because the vultures, I, I forgot, but there, you know, there's, there's many groups of people in India who like to just put dead bodies up in the trees and the vultures come and eat them, but they're not doing that now. So the smell and stench of corpses, I mean, everything real, everything symbolic is everywhere. So they're going, oh my goodness, we have to, we have to bring back the, the vultures. Now, all myths are really pitching to us. You know, the Mabinogian is the kind of Welsh Arthurian legends uh, collected in the early 12th century, but much, much older stories. You know, and the thing I always extract from that, older stories, but, you know, written down 10th to 12th century, they say um, uh, the elders get together and say the men just found out they have something to do with children, uh, and it's going to be really difficult for women and the earth, you know, property and everything from here on. And then they said, they wrote, they wrote this down in the Mabinogian, 
Um, humans will journey on their individual, individual path, losing kinship, not only with each other, <clears throat> but with nature as well, until the earth herself might die. And then at that point, people will start to keep all the value of their individual journey, but open once again to the reality of, of kinship. So they wrote that down. But they also said, um, again, early 12th century, yet war itself, not any race or tribe, is the enemy that shall pull down all that we of the old tribes have built. Among us, neither man nor woman was ever master, and all walked free. So, I wrote that. I mean, so it's, it's pitching to us, you know, war is silly. So we say, you know, animism, the, the respect that everything's alive and willing to cooperate, or at least that is a default setting, because when you're open to that, oh, amazing things start to happen, and it gives us such delight. You know, um, I, you know I've, been, I've been an agent of inviting in synchronicity magic. You can't count on it, but at a gathering of, you know, water scientists, um, many things, but they were, they were up for throwing, you know, uh, yellow roses into the Potomac River um, to signify their willingness to heal water, and they were, they were game. And this was like Coast Guard people, Homeland Security people, science, physics people, engineers from all over the world. They, they were like, sure. Um, but but the, what, what happened also the next day, there was a man with a machine that ran um, mostly on water, but in just one tablespoon of gasoline, not much. Um, and it wasn't working. It was like, oh. And so the cold fusion physics guy said, I think it needs some pressure, and that wasn't working. And I just sensed the moment. I mean, what I want to say to all of us, if we dedicate, the dedication magnetizes opportunity. It was like, okay. And I, I just stepped in, and I put one hand on the machine and one hand on the inventor, and I said to the inventor, do you vow that this technology will never be used for war? And without hesitating a second, he said, I do. And the machine went, va va boom you know. Um, and the scientists were so delighted, you know, that they weren't alone, that there was more mystery. So, you know, there's a Thai saying that says, you know, because we were never colonized, we never lost our animism, sense of living respect in all things, the rocks and the trees and the animals and the plants. So the absence of a kind of reverent animism and what we call really, you know, authentic magic, the evidence of that is, is evidence of, of colonized mind. So... Trickster medicine, again, allying with nature's evolutionary ingenuity, it's not the only medicine, but it's the one medicine that brews all the others into efficacy. You know, um, and so I work a lot, you know, not only crossing borders with conservatives, but working with, you know, secular progressives and... Um, and um, I go, you know, part of our team sometimes, you know, one, we want to beware that so often democratic impulses get hijacked into the violence of illusory polarity over and over again, you know, and we want to, again, throw illusory polarity into the cauldron, blah, 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 you know, and ladle out, you know, democratic animism, a willingness to cooperate with all things, you know, and so there are many sneaky, you know, exoteric and esoteric forms of tyranny, but we want to kind of, we're willing, known or unknown, to release those going, in any way that I'm, I or we are complicitous in, you know, colonial tyranny in our manner of address or anything, I'm willing to, you know, compost that. You know, um, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Alhamdulillah. Um, that, that's, uh, that's excellent. Yes, we're flushing it away, you know, to be, you know, into a living water system. <laughs> that's good. Yes, God likes that, I think. <laughs> I think so. You know, um, so, so we say, you know, the oppressor seeks the medicine of what he's oppressing. So in some way, you know, humans squishing the world, we, we are seeking the medicine of what we're oppressing in some way. 
You know, England really needed the metaphysic of India. Um, you know, America really needs the beauty and blessing and, and poetry of the Middle East underneath all of the, you know, the Venusian realm. We say where there's too much Mars, you know, hyper-yang death frenzy, the antidote is Venus, beauty, art, music, love drive-bys, clean water, you know, invitation, manners, restoration of manners. Um, but, but it is something, again, to, to take away in Magic Backpack and, and play with. I, I went to a, a, a great lecture by actual Mayan scholars um, at the Smithsonian a couple weeks ago, and um, it was really good, the Mayan underworld, and, and there's the whole 2012 phenomenon, and part of that's cool, and part of it's spiritual colonialism, and it's a complex brew. Anyway. But, but one of the, the scholars gave a, a really great lecture about the underworld. Taking, he said, it was not 1492. It was not, it was not, that was not the tragedy. You know, of the meeting, you know, of the white, you know, kind of colonials with with indigenous, you know, um, people, um, because it was there was a lot of complexity going. The the the, the really tragic part was the 1890s, in which um, colonialism takes root and begins to inhale people's land that they've lived on and farmed and worked with for you know thousands of years. It's, it's like Eddie Izzard said that most colonialism works on the cunning use of flags. Do you have a flag? No, no, we've just lived here for a thousand years. Well, we have a flag, and we're taking your land. You know, um, and that's what happened, you know, kind of everywhere. The, 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 the violent divorce of people who love the land from the land by the overlords, and then they're transformed not into caretakers and, from caretakers and stewards, but now they are serfs in the, in the fincas, in the, in the factories. And then seeing that, went to that lecture, and then also... Uh, happened cruising around a, a documentary on America and Manifest Destiny. And really interesting that Ho Chi Minh, you know, loved America, loved, loved the Declaration of Independence, went to the Paris peace talks, you know, after World War I, hoping to meet Woodrow Wilson, going, oh, this will be a great savior because democracy, he's really for this. And, you know, for people to be able to reclaim their lands and for Vietnam to be freed of the French and we can go back to, you know, stewarding the land that we love. And he was gravely disappointed, you know, when... Wilson was against colonialism, but just because it made the imperial powers go to war. Um, and then what happens, the false polarity. He has, you know, Ho Chi Minh has no one to turn to except for Stalin, you know. And then, oh, communism versus whatever. And it's like, no, it's a false polarity. What it really was was a love of the land underneath that. There's a great saying that says, tyrants don't care if they're hated as long as the people don't love each other. And we say, tyrants don't care if they're hated as long as the people don't love the earth. Loving the earth is the antidote to tyranny, you know, and that's part of the story we spread out. Just a, a quirky thing to be aware because the Dementors are so relentless. <coughs> There's a, <coughs> in Colorado, nearby, just these little stories. I scan for these little stories. Western billionaire plans historic village. Energy multi-billionaire William Koch, related to the Koch brothers who were trying to buy this election, is developing a private 19th century Western village with 50 buildings, including a saloon, a jail, a train station, 21,000 square foot mansion. To provide his village more privacy, he's seeking to swap land he owns for federal land, including a public road into a national forest. Two counties in Colorado, oh Moab, rise up, have approved the swap, but Congress has final say. It's still being considered a bill that would have exchanged 1,800 acres of federal land for 900 acres of Koch brothers' land. And it's like, no! Just, okay, so we pull out our Hermophitude composter. And we ladle out going, this is ridiculous. You know, did you know? You know, and so we say, 
you know, we bring in the Jupiter. The Jupiter is the god of <clears throat> um, stories and also the principle of wealth. And we go, stories are wealth. So we say the unifying story of the earth can dissolve the false boundaries you know, of nation state, of the finite game. I love what um, James Carr is saying. A finite game is about winning. An infinite game is about keeping everything in play. You know, and so there are allies everywhere. And talking to, you know, mega conservatives, real, I mean, deep constitutional right-wing conservatives, they're very against empire. And they're very against war. And we go, we can converse with this. We can find, you know, a common thing, a uh, common conversation. You know, um, we want, again, the power of language and play, you know, to bring it in. So I was, I was um, you know, doing you know, the, the mythological news coverage of the convention. So there's the Romney-Ryan toxic polarization of America is full of makers and takers, and the rich people are makers and everybody else is a taker. Now, we can go, rah, 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 but I go, ah, but in, a, in an Aikido way, I, I think we can do this, we step in and we go, you know, to the center, to the equilibrium equinox point, and we go, good point, okay, to love disharmony back into harmony creates a greater harmony than before. Um, Yes, maker, we say there are maker and taker species, perhaps. But really, there's only one taker species here. And it would be, you know, us. Um, that idea of taking, taking the collective wealth, the common wealth, and spewing back poison. No other species does that on this planet, you know, which is so full of manners and complexity. Even predator prey. I mean, Michael Gruber, who writes the, you know, esoteric thrillers, but he's also got his PhD in predator prey relations. And he says, you know, there's, there's incredible manners. There's a, there's a dance in this thing. He said a, a hawk and a, pra and a prairie dog, if the prairie dog is near its hole enough to escape, it will signal the hawk, apparently like it sort of wiggles its eyebrows or something, um, saying, don't try, buddy, because you'll just waste your energy. And the hawk goes, thank you. you know? um, so, um, so there's only one species that's a taker species, but I think this is an opening for us to see again. You, see, the, the trickster moves in. We could go, oh, what a horrible makers and takers. And we, that's going on, the critique. But then we, we step in and go, good point. And again, assume the narrative lead. You know, um, in, in accord with, with nature. Um, a friend of mine, Michael Stalker, is a wonderful dedicated to, to, you know, protecting and saving the ocean. And it's all in dire, dire circumstance. You know, how, how does our team keep its heart up um, when there's so much death and insanity? But again, the animals who are most oppressed give us the medicine to do that. So he sometimes takes people, and I was lucky enough to go to Ignacio um, uh, Cove in Baja, San Ignacio Bay in Baja, where an amazing thing has been happening. It's where the gray whales go and they give birth. And for a long time, humans would go there and do terrible things as the, you know, kill the babies and the mom and the just terrible things. Then about 20 years ago, there was a, a local fisherman out in his panga in his little boat. And this gray whale surfaced like right here. And he was terrified. But it wouldn't go away. And then he was like, I think it wants to be petted. So he just began petting it. And, it, and this gaze, again, the animal gaze. And he was like, wow. And then it brought its baby up. And he was like, oh. And then, and then it became this phenomenon that the local fishermen would go up and the gray whales would, would, would present their babies and, and gaze close. Um, and then scientists start to come. And even the hard-nosed scientists are saying, I think they're forgiving us. I think they want you know, to make a treaty. On, on the day that the first whale approached um, this fisherman, um, 
was the day that the UN passed a global law on the protection of marine mammals. We go, Ooh, it's all one pulsing dream in a conversation. We're all conversing. Khan is with, versing is turning. We're all in this giant conversation. And then our guide, who was the son of the original contactee fisherman, said, and then, you know, um, Mitsubishi was going to destroy the lagoon um, and build a huge salt factory, and the president of Mexico had signed off on it and was like, oh, no, oh, no, this is just such a tragedy because nature's harsh enough as it is without doing, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. The gray whales don't eat, and they come, and they give birth, and they're, you know, giving incredible amounts, you know, and they're, and they're not eating for a long time before they have their arduous, you know, um, journey back up north. It's hard just in nature. Um, so, but what happened was the fishermen invited... Um, the president's wife and son to go out in a boat. And our friend said the whales knew what they had to do. He said it was amazing because the whales put on this incredible show. They came up, the, the um, wife of the president and his son were weeping as I am with the delight of it. And the president was so moved by how his child and his wife were, he canceled the plan. And again, the fishermen said the whales knew what they had to do that day. And we go, ah. So we as agents are really, again, inviting in, going, we are willing to cahoot. Um, we know polarity serves empire. We want to break this spell. Um, you know, Neptune dreams and vision, you know, is just a part of us that says we're all in this large pulsing dream and there's no, there's no joy, no terror, no, no death that does not diminish or enhance all of us. You know, we, we know this. Now, and that's why we say, you know, myth, you know, if metaphors are the incarnational garb, they are the invitation for power to enter the world, then myth is a metaphoric animation of intrinsic intelligence in nature. That's, I think, one really useful way to, to play with it. Um, and we say, um, so we call upon, you know, the plants and the animals and the rocks and the ancestors with whom we feel affinity. And just to sort of begin, you know, just sort of now in our whatever, as we kind of roll along before we deconvene, you know, um, and then taking it on out, and this is something I do in Trickster Training Council and on the radio in many ways to play, but to begin to syncretize, to brew our own, you know, compassionate trickster mojo, you know, woven together from everything we admire or feel an affinity with. You know, it says, um, whatever we love, loves us. You know, and whatever we have a Venusian affinity with is a very important clue to be honored, whether it's a color or a culture or an animal or a plant or a rock or whatever. We are its agent in the court of the human world. And to begin to weave together from things we admire, you know, models of leadership derived from wolves, but maybe also syncretized with geese. Lead goose rotates, you know, because the lead goose has taken a lot of flack. Um, you know, so we want to, you know, <clears throat> to our own inner trickster redeemer, you know, our own kind of guide. What would the trickster redeemer syncretized? You know, the word metaphor means to carry across. It is to cross a bridge. It crosses bridges of understanding, um, the metaphor. You know, and then we say <clears throat> the, the memosphere, the kind of, ooh, you know, is the realm of influence for the trickster redeemer within all of us. And in esoteric traditional magical practice, um, the dedicated you know, kind of magician or the dedicated priestess or whatever better word we want, would, would at a time like this, would, would intend and then would spiral out responsive options into collective human mind. It's what the Mabinogian knows, that we can actually inject into the memosphere, certainly through multimedia, I mean, that's the sort of secular, visible of the inner dynamic, you know, again, responses. And for us in this beautiful place, 
you know, a place of great safety gathered now. We are not under a pressure of hot reaction. Someone we love was not just killed in front of us. So for those in cool places to spiral out into the memosphere, the option of cool response that anybody in a hot circumstance would not be able to conjure. You know, that's part of our kind of dynamic. So the woman trickster redeemer in fairy tales, myth, and also in our hearts, regardless of our extremely temporary age, race, and gender. Because see, the, the dance of Venus and Mars, the esoteric tradition says women, Venus outside, Mars inside. You know, guys, Mars outside, Venus inside. So when, whenever any two people meet, there's four. You know, and then there's transgendered, complex, you know, and myriad variations of that dynamic. But within all of us is a dance of Venus-Mars. And what we see out there in the world is Mars, hyper-yang, you, know, you know, and again, to bring it into balance. So the trickster-redeemer woman, you know, again, like Scheherazade, you know, or Inanna back from the underworld, um, rescuing culture, they don't go rrr, rrr, rrr. Um, It is Scheherazade by her storytelling, again, stories, that she, uh, she heals not only the land, the fate of all women, but even the tyrant who has murdered his own heart. You know, she heals even that. You know, we know there's, you know, sociopaths, we've trained, we've, we've outsourced leadership culturally to people that we've trained to be sociopaths. Um, the skull and bones rituals whereby people are handed financial and political power involve a magic, you know, a, a, black, a black magic ritual of saying feeling is weak, I cut it. That's part of the, that's part of the protocol. So you're a sociopath, here's a bunch of dollars and sex and, you know, you can, you can be whatever. Um, so... There was, there was, and I go, we're electing the earth. I mean, it's, it's clear, we're electing the earth. And what, you know, and if that's the unifying story for people who want to, you know, whatever they want to vote for, we go, that's the unifying story. We're voting for the earth, and we're voting for the rousing power of the earth's voice. And it comes, yep, yay, third row and fourth row. Very good. <laughs> but we're also assuming, assuming responsibility. Um, the Grail legend is all about inauthenticity arises when people look to external authority for internal guidance. So we're also electing ourselves and by our dedication tapping into may we be agents of, you know, earth, natural wisdom and, you know, and, and manners, manners, the restoration of manners. So Saturn chimes in and says deeper dedication strengthens the signal and invites the synchronous path opening. So, you know, as you, as we sally forth from tonight, you know, just, it, it's a great time for each of us, personally and collectively, to kind of write our, our dedication, our manifesto of dedicated devotion. You know, what do we love? What are we dedicated to? What are we willing to be its voice for? Because that will open all kinds of things up against all odds. You know, um, so, you know, we say we are assuming, we are reassuming responsibility for participating in dreaming the desirable world into being. Um, and indeed, you know, cooperators, cooperators are standing by. You know, it just takes a little bit of overcoming colonialism, you know, to go, I, I, I'm I don't know if this is true, but I'm voting for it to be true. It is true. You know, and even if it weren't, it's the only way to live, but it happens to be true. Um, you know, and um, so I turn to the sacred teachings of, of Terry Pratchett, who has a great character, Granny Weatherwax, and when told that she couldn't do something, million to one chances against you doing this impossible thing, it said that she replied with a voice that made wolves stop in their tracks, Million to one chances crop up nine times out of ten if your heart is dedicated. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
So, you know, composting empire, but it wants to be composted. You know, and again, the invitation, the invitation. Um, you know, so, you know, again, from the sacred teachings of, you know, um, Gene Hackman in Enemy of the State, you know, um, even, even, a, even a bad hand can, even a bad hand can win the pot, you know, and uh, against all odds is that kind of quality. Thank you. That's right. We flush the bad hand down, down into the green recycling wonderful living water system. So, um, so, so, so a little bit of to and fro, you know, as we toss into the cauldron, um, we're, we're going to just, you know, a little micro set stuff in motion that you, you can go home and out there and spiral forth and kind of work on this thing too. So we're going we're gonna to playfully, you know, just toss some more things, a few things into the cauldron. You can also shout out. So we're going to toss things in and ladle things out. But while we're doing that, we're just kind of inviting in, you know, our mythic, syncretized, wise, juju, trickster self, you know, incarnating into our invitationally available bodies. You know, it's traditional mojo. A traditional equinox theater going back 35,000 years or so. We used to talk about gaslighting. Um, and in that movie, evil, the evil Charles Boyer character is gaslighting uh, beautiful Ingrid Bergman. Um, and the way you make somebody crazy is you lie to them. You know, um, and if it's enough lies, you make them crazy and passive. And the American public is being gaslighted, you know, in some ways, you know. Um, so we want to throw gaslighting of the American public into the cauldron, right? Okay. Um, you know, and uh, the Charles Boyer character, not Charles Boyer, you know. And out of the cauldron comes liberated Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, there we go. Okay, there we go. Um, so I think also we want to toss in the, the gummy fuels of empire. I think empire runs on hubris. You know, as a kind of, so we want to hubris and snark, you know, so shall we toss into the cauldron hubris and snark? Yeah, okay, hubris and snark. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> that's good. And we can think of that also as a, 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 a rapid composting sound as well. Okay, yes. Um, and then, and then, and then what are some fuels, you know, feel free, you know, okay, if, if, if hubris and snark are gone, then. You know, what's a, what's a fuel, a fuel and energy, a quality to run on that we might want to ladle out? Hmm. Gen generosity of spirit, reverent ingenuity. Hmm? Compassion. Gratitude. Gratitude is a good fuel. Those are good things. Okay, all right, okay, spiraling those things forward. Okay, the, you know, um, and, um, uh, and I think, you know, colonialism, colonialism. Sorry, sorry? Imagination is good. That's really good. You know, and then just to, just to touch where we want to, again, practice. We're just setting things in motion for this whole season. Um, wonderful, late, great uh, Irish poet John O'Donohue was a keeper of Irish blessing. And, um, uh, and blessing is a real art form that we really do want to uh, cultivate again in ourselves because it's powerful. Um, but it is an art form. It's got a Saturn structure. It's when this, then may this. You know, and... Um, uh, the two the two examples that I carry in my heart that I learned from him are, you know, when the ghost of loss stands behind you, then may the ancestors place a cloak around your shoulders that will mend your life. Okay. You know, and when your boat is sinking in rough water, then may the moon spin a silver pathway upon which you may safely tread to shore. And so what we want to do is, you know, in working with my trickster team and myself as well, we've got sort of, we want to revitalize our metaphoric agility because people were really good at when this bad thing, but then when this good thing, it got all vague. You know, may happiness, may whatever. It's like, no, a cloak, a mango, a pathway. You know, again, the metaphor is the sensual magnetizer. So it's, we're just, it's, it's challenging because it, it takes uh, 
composting our colonial mind to get back into the rich metaphor of the sensual incarnational metaphors of nature, you know. Um, you know uh, so, <clears throat> so even that, yeah, because it's true, all this, the, 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 the fuels of empire, hubris, and snark, it's, it's true, pretty, pretty um, ab it's abstract, but we know what we mean. But, but it is challenging because <clears throat> I realize that whenever we compare a human unfav unfavorably by employing an animal, it always does the animal a disservice. You know, what are weasels? Oops, sorry, weasels. You know, um, ladle out good cheer, the good cheer of ground dogs, uh, the good cheer of, you know, the good cheer of, you know, again, we turn to the natural world, really, for these things, the good cheer of a sunrise, the good cheer. Um, you know, we throw in polarity, and we pull out the, you know, the joyful cahooting, you know, of, again, a council of wolves and a unifying story. Um, so we are, you know, syncretizing, syncretizing. We say we, we want a guiding story and, and a cultural renaissance of the myth, of the poetry, the music, and the art to bring the story alive. And there is so much in the memosphere. Jupiter, Jupiter's storytelling right now is in Gemini, which says all technology is a crude liter literalization of intrinsic human capacity. But we're, we avail ourselves of the ways in which we can form community because there is a global democracy brewing, again, originating impulses, again, even like in Syria that can then get kidnapped, you know, into false polarities. So we want to make common cause with all originating impulse, you know, um, uh, and spirals of, of cheer, and again, a culture of reciprocal blessing. Um, so, um, so we're going to do a kind of uh, where the musicians will come back out um, and we will do a kind of group howl and the musicians will play for us and you don't have to do anything, you know, only if you want your life to be jolly will you kind of get up and move around a little bit. Um, but you can do anything you want. Um, and just think of it also as, you know, kind of you're inviting in plant mojo juju and we'll just uh, we'll do that and then we'll thank everybody and then there we go. But, um, you know, but again, that idea of, you know, we are announcing ourselves as available you know, Pluto and Capricorn, I, I do so many astrological readings for people who call up and go, I just got fired. And I'm like, that's fabulous. You are available. You know, um, oh, I just, you know, my marriage is collapsing. That's wonderful. Hoist your sails of willingness for this grand thing, you know. Um, you know, so it's, it, we do want to maintain a kind of, you know, again, unexpected good cheer. You know, and I do so many readings for people in which they go, oh, this is this, and I go, as humans, we go, ooh, duh. but as astrologers and mythologists, we go, you are right on schedule. That is perfect. You know, um, we'd be worried. We'd be worried if your life wasn't collapsing. God, you know, good for you. Um, so, um, so, uh, okay, so as we, as we, as we, a woo, uh, which is announcing our, our availability uh, to be danced into place where we can do the most good and have the most fun, the musicians will come out uh, while we are wooing. Okay, so, so by making any kind of animal sound that you want, we are really announcing our availability, going, we are willing to cahoot. We are willing to be agents of the unifying story. We're willing to be agents of, you know, cool in a hot reactive world. We're willing to cahoot with everything that we love on behalf of everything we love. All right. All right, team. Spiral it out. Spirals are good. Yeah, we're spiraling out into the memosphere. Excellent. Yay! Very good.
And we also want to dance our, we want to dance our gratitude as well. We want to dance our gratitude to Christy Williams Dunton. Yay. We want to dance our gratitude to Mizo. Hey there, Mizo up there doing everything. We want to dance our gratitude to Carolyn Raffensperger, who's consolating the Women's Council Congress for Future Generations and who lured me out here. Whoa, 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 whoa. We want to dance our gratitude to the coming harvest full moon. We want to dance our gratitude to the musicians, Kieran, Ryan, and Chris. Yay. And I'm Caroline Casey, thanking you for doing this good mojo. Thank you. Mwah.